there, folks, and welcome or welcome back to Nippon Trading International's Japan Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Ziv Nakajima, again, and this podcast is brought to you, among others, by Emil Gorgis of realestate.jp. He's a Tokyo real estate agent who specializes in serving international or mixed nationality families who are looking for the perfect family home. So Emil's an Australian. He's been living here in Japan for over two decades now. And for about half of that time, he's been buying, selling and managing real estate properties in Tokyo on behalf of his own family and a great many happy clients. And he also acts as a mortgage broker on behalf of his clients. So he's got dedicated loan officers in many of the Japanese mega banks. And if you're a regular listener of the podcast, you probably already know him from our JREP, the Japan Real Estate Experts Panel Sessions, which means that you're already aware of the fact that the man is an absolute fountain of wisdom on all things related to real estate in Japan, and in particular to family homes, the greater Tokyo metropolitan area, and mortgages. And most importantly, he's incredibly generous with his time and advice, which he's more than happy to provide at no cost or commitment to anyone asking. So if you've been thinking about buying your home in Tokyo, but you've been sitting on the fence for a while, or you just want to have a chat in English with a real expert, drop him a line on sales at realestate.jp. Hit him up today and start exploring your options. All right, so for today's episode, this is a conversation that I've had a few months ago with a super nice couple from Australia. They're into winter sports and real estate photography, killer combo there, and they wanted to understand more about the potential for buying land and constructing a short-term accommodation property on it up in Hokkaido. So the usual stuff, how to make offers, conduct due diligence, negotiate the price, and then more specific topics like what due diligence actually looks like in a case of a land plot, what needs to be researched ahead of the purchase or even ahead of the property search, how does compliance with Minpaku and short-term stay regulations work in this case, and how can we help, how much does it cost. We also talk about the potential of leveraging this sort of project for the purpose of securing a business management visa. And finally, we segue a bit to a discussion of their other passion, real estate photography, are there such services in Japan? Who uses them and in what cases? And how they should go about potentially setting up such a business. So good talk, variation on the themes we normally discuss here, at least as far as land purchases are concerned. I hope you enjoy the conversation and I'll see you again on the other side. Okay, so I've just scrolled down through your email. You've mentioned that you're now in Hakuba. You're going to Sapporo where you're going to be looking at some land. Yes, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to give me a brief background about what the land is going to be used for? Well, to be, to be fair, we are still in the research process, but because we're going to be there and we saw, we've been like scouring the internet, we saw it and we thought, well, you know, I guess we already kind of are involved in the real estate industry as photographers. Yep. So daily, on a daily basis, we see transactions and, you know, we understand the process a little bit. So we thought, well, well, we're here, might as well, at least and go and have a look and understand, yep. you know, get, get a better feel for, for the market and what's an offer. But because this land um, sort of draws our attention, we thought might as well go and have a look at it. It's but, also, but it's, um, it, sorry, go it's, ahead. Sorry, it's just down the road from um a private sort of ski area resort. okay sort of set up like a private little ski right. run yeah. um, so yeah. and is that so the that. purpose is to what to to build a private home holiday home for you guys or to set up a business there or what what's the purpose what are you buying it for 
Well, as I you said, you seem unsure. <laughs> wait, no, no, wait, 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 because we we are still, I guess, in the process of seeing what are the better options. But yeah. in the ideal scenario, would be to set up something that we can run as a short term accommodation potentially, or okay. and then also if we are here just to use it. And um, but this particular plot of land is actually quite large and we think like the price compared to other things seems like reasonable so there is ne- there is always a catch i guess you know so you, we just um, want to see why, why this particular plot of land is is it as just cheap like as it is. yeah is yeah. as cheap yeah. as it is yeah uh, how much is it by the way it's like 7 million yen 7.5 okay um and the you started communicating with the agent the listing agent you've mentioned um yeah is yeah. Did, did you find out if the land is actually part of the resort land or is it completely standalone no it's, it's standalone yeah it's not okay. it's actually not um it's not like a resort resort it's just like near the resorts but near there there is some people that are running like private operations of like okay. back on backcountry skiing and where approximately in hokkaido is it it's near Niseko area, yeah. Near Niseko, and it's seven million yen. That is a bit suspicious. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess with land specifically, the due diligence. I mean, obviously, there's nothing related to structures, so we don't need to um, consider structural inspections or anything like that. The um, the main concerns with land is um, usually number one, what kind of uses are you going to be able mm. to put it down to so depending mm. on local municipalities uh it could be that for example you mentioned the short-term business it could be that you're not even allowed to run any short-term business there and i know that there are other concerns around who are doing similar things but it could be just a matter of um, this one belonging to not niseko municipality but just across the border and it actually belongs to another town which doesn't allow short-term stay for example because each and every local municipality have their own bylaws and regulations about what they'll allow or not allow Mm. Yep. Um, we've got customers now, for example, who are looking for land where they can build a small workshop so that they can work on cars, and they're finding it very difficult because all of the land plots that, and the and the buildings that suit their requirements are actually in areas where no no businesses are allowed or not any machinery related business, for example. So yeah. that's number one. Number two, even if you do. So if the goal long term, what's the, let's put it this way, what's the um, top priority to have a holiday home or to have somewhere where you can set up a short term stay business? How how crucial is the second part? I'd say the short term stay business, because realistically, how often are we going to be able to come here? Yeah. So we need to be, it needs to be doing something while we're not there. Okay. So to put aside for a moment, the logistics of it, how it's going to be run, who's going to be staffing it and so forth. The first thing to do would be to check with the local municipality and the listing agent might already know that. Actually, if they're near Niseko, they probably already know whether it's allowed or not allowed because yeah. Niseko is very popular for, for accommodations. So the first thing to do would be to check whether the local municipality actually allows um, Minpaku short-term stays overall. Yeah. And what their um, what their compliance process is like. So, for example, in some cases, they're not going to allow you to set up anything within, let's say, 500 meters from a public facility like a school or a nursing home or a library or what have you. 
Um, yeah. In other places, they'll say, well, you can do that, but you can only do that on the weekend. So if the national legislation says you can do it half the year, some municipalities will narrow that down to maybe a quarter of the year, where you can, depending on whatever the laws are, right? And um, other things. So the first thing would be to look at that. And then the local municipality will also be able to give you um, information about what kind of structure would comply, which is yeah, something that yeah. you'll want to look at in the future uh, when you do rebuild, uh, when you do build anything on it. Yes. But in okay. many cases, what they'll say is just, you know, it's a case by case thing. We have to look at the architectural uh, floor plans and then we will approve or disapprove. And there's certain regulations that you'll have to um, comply with for fire and safety. So mm -hmm. it's a bit of a it's a bit of a complex research cycle until we actually find out what you can or cannot do it yeah. uh, from a short term stay, uh, stay perspective specifically. Yes. Yeah. Um, um, where sorry, are go ahead. More like mobile or modular homes that are kind of pre-built and then you put in place. Is there that doesn't make a difference from a licensing perspective? I think yeah. um, some municipalities may prohibit it altogether and say it has to be an actual structure, but I'm guessing not the other way around. So they're not going to mm -hmm. say a normal house is um, is no good, but mobile is okay, right? So yeah, yeah. if anything, they'll restrict the mobile the mobile homes. Yeah. Um, the other thing to look at is whether the area is in a landslide designated area. Mm. So there's um, red zone, which is high risk, yellow zone, which is low risk, and then out of the area completely, which is fine. Mm. Um, and if you're going to construct there in the future, you might want to conduct a land liquidity test as well, just to make sure you're not building on sinking land. So there's there's a lot of stuff that we need to look at some of the answers i'm guessing the listing agent will definitely have some of them will have to go to the local municipality to check up on yeah um but that it becomes far less complex if we're just talking about a private use holiday home that you want to build there that for that part we'll just need to sh check for land liquidity and landslides so okay. nobody can tell you not to build a holiday home for example yeah so that's one thing and then the other thing is logistically running the place so the local municipality will also have regulations on the management so if you're not planning to be living in the property um 24 7 and being the on-site managers and staff then you will need either somebody who is living there or within a very close proximity to the property again depending on what the local municipality specifies uh, some of them say full remote management is okay, but that's actually rare. Most of them will say that you need to have somebody on site at any given time or within, let's say, a half an hour uh, emergency call distance, right? Okay. And is there so, many sorry. managed property management companies? Like, are they popular or are um, normally in rural areas, not so much. It's all usually very challenging to find licensed short-term stay management companies. But near Niseko specifically, I would probably, I, I'm thinking, we'll have to research that as well, but I'm thinking there'll probably be quite a few because Airbnb and so forth is very popular in those areas. Yeah. Is, is Airbnb is actually allowed? there or or is it more like booking.com and things like that so short term short term stays that are done airbnb style and it doesn't matter if it's uh, via booking.com or agoda or airbnb if it's done without a tenancy lease and for periods of less than 1 month then it's classified as minpaku short term stay yeah. um 
for that, you need either a Minpaku license or a hotel license. Once you get that, it doesn't matter which platform you're advertising on. Um, but most of the platforms will just not take listings that don't actually provide the certificate that they're qualified and, and compliant. Now, if you've been following this podcast for a while, and in particular our JREP sessions, you're probably more than familiar with Blanca Kobayashi of Arc Reform. They're a bilingual renovation company serving clients in the Kanagawa and Kanto area. So Tokyo, Chiba, Saitama, Kawasaki, Yokohama. They can handle simple, small-scale projects as well as full house renovations, and they will work with you on the perfect design for your dream family home. But not only homes, Arc Reform also handle commercial property renovations, offices, restaurants, bars, shops, you name it, from traditional classics to the latest trends in interior design and renovations. So you want to email them for a free consultation and quote at info at arcreform.com. That's A-R-K reform, all one word, dot com, and give your home or commercial space the love and care that it deserves. And can you buy a property that already has a Minpaku license or do you need to get a new Minpaku license? You'll need to get a new one, but a property that's already complied is going to be very easy to comply again. So yeah. the new one, you need to get a new one because they're issued for a unique combination of owner and property. So once the owner changes, you have to reissue the license. Yeah. But it's going to be a much easier process because we already know that everything complies. And also you can keep operating on the existing license until you transfer it over to your name. Yeah. Okay. Uh, as, I, as we were saying at the start, we, we're kind of flexible. Uh, in terms of what the possibilities can be. Uh, but the other part is because obviously we are not residents and I don't know, I don't think fi like financing is not an option. We think that no. maybe buying land first, you know, and then building later, it's could be breaking the process into, into parts. Yep. Unless we find like something, maybe like an IKEA, like really run down, that was a good price and we can, buy it and then maybe knock it down later on or something. Yep. I mean, those yeah. are all options. We've got customer doing all of the above. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, we're still yeah. open. The, the, the thing is like, I guess we don't, we're not, we don't live here, so we don't understand many things. And, you know, sometimes you have an idea and you say, oh, I'm going to do this, but maybe a little bit out of town, but, Realistically, if you're running a short-term rental business, you may actually be in town where people are want to stay and they get a walking distance or they can catch a bus and go here and go there. Look, the uh, business side of it, um, you know, where is a better location that would attract more Minpaku guests, uh, more short-term stay guests, or um, whether it's better to, to you know, put them in an older home because they like traditional style or it's better to give them a new home. I that's not really something that we are experts on. So I, I'd be hesitant to advise you on that. It's probably better to connect with a Minpaku management company that also does um, uh, consulting and guiding and, and you know, yeah. reviewing of particular properties and locations and so forth. So we can, I'm guessing once we search the area for short-term stay management companies and we connect with one or two of them, then they'll also be able to give us a bit more advice on that. Yeah. And if um if we let's say for example with this land right we cannot go into this rabbit hole of this information of this property and then it turns out we kind of hit a wall and we're like you know not the one yeah this not the one like once we engage you know with you guys 
then we can move into a different direction? Yeah, so we're happy to provide. So th there's two aspects to it. The first aspect is the research, yeah. which is obviously that's not, not part of a normal property purchase facilitation. So we charge a fixed price to conduct the purchase on your behalf. And yeah, we'll conduct yeah. due diligence on the property and on the land and, and you know, we'll, we'll negotiate or, or we'll make offers on your behalf and we'll sign all the documents and do all the meetings required. So that is all included in a fixed price that we can uh, provide you with. And that price th that you've paid, if you end up not going for that property, you're not going to have to pay us again. We'll still continue to represent you until you end up finding and settling on the right property. Mm -hmm. But all of the stuff around it that's related to uh, research about running the business and legislation and compliance and all of that, we just charge by the hour in any case. So if you end up researching a particular property in a particular area, and then we find out that maybe the legislation, uh, the the compliance in the area is not a problem, but that particular property is not good, then we've already got the research about that municipality. We don't need to research it again. But if you'll then move to another town or another municipality and we have to do the entire research all over again, then we'll have to charge by the hour again for that time. Yes. Yeah. And is there any websites that um, you could point us to work out, for example, which municipalities are which? So maybe when we're looking around, we try to... That stick. would be really nice, but no, <laughs> no, no. So each of those municipalities will usually, not all of them, the very rural ones might not have a website or not any meaningful website, but a lot of them, especially in bigger, more popular areas, would have a local municipality website. And on that website, if you dig in, they're not easy to search, but if you dig in deeply enough, you might find information about um, Minpaku, about short-term stay legislation. Um, but not all of them will have it. And even if the ones that do have it, again, often it will just say we have to approve this on a case-by-case -case basis, right? So yeah. there's no centralized resource that I can point at, not even in Japanese, let alone in English, unfortunately. Yeah, of course. Yeah. 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 Mm. Um, but again, the, um, the short-term stay consultant uh, companies can help with that research local management companies that are already familiar with that area will have that information because obviously it's you know crucial to their business um we or a judicial scrivener which is like the equivalent of a property lawyer can contact the local municipality and find out all of this information on your behalf there's there's ways for us to dig into that but not much that you'll be able to just view online, unfortunately. There'll have to be um, communication with third parties, whether it's management companies or local municipality officials, whichever the case may be. And I guess I was maybe referring more for just because after this conversation, I think like maybe the best approach is to first really narrow down the location that you want and keep it as, you know, as tight as possible. So then there is once you, I guess, have that information of the particular location, you, we don't have to do the same work twice for a different location. So right. what I'm thinking, what I'm thinking more is if there is some sort of like, I guess, uh, like political map that says shows you the different municipalities. So we know, like for example, if we're looking at Niseko, it shows the border of what the municipality is. Yeah. So then we know. Well, we have to. This is a short-term stay friendly. This is less friendly. That kind of thing, right? No, like just so we know when we're searching in the map, which which is our border, you know, to say okay. Oh, I see what you mean. Um, 
you know, like keep the search That's, within this boundary. Yeah. yeah, 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 I understand. Um, I think there should definitely be websites showing clear municipal borderlines, but... Okay. Um, that's something that I'll have to look for. I haven't, I haven't yeah. really found out yet. But every property listing that you're looking at, part of the address actually specifies the prefecture okay. and the city. Okay. So once you get the accurate address, they're not always going to be listed uh, from the get-go. But once we contact or you contact the agent and you get the accurate address, then you'll immediately know which municipality it belongs to. Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. So I think like because we're... We really like it here as well, where we are. It's our second time in Hakkabam. We Yeah, we really like it. It's a yeah. Yeah. Um, beautiful little town. So, but probably we should, um, you know, I guess, go to the other region and have a look and have a feel and then maybe make a more educated decision in terms of choosing and saying, well, let's kind of put all our resources and research into this particular location. So that way, you know, we're not like, wasting any, anyone's time or wasting our own money or you know yeah i uh, understand but I, I guess you're you're basically slightly limited in locations because i'm guessing you want to run a winter sports um yeah. or, or winter let's call it accommodation in proximity to winter sports so there's only so many locations which would be applicable right yeah well and then yeah. but we're also thinking um mountain bike riding in the okay. summertime because we're really into sort of mountain bike riding. And gotcha. Yeah. Um, okay. In in the same areas, the, the colder the areas? Area. I think okay. here in Hakuba, there is a, a little bit, there's a few trails already. Um, yeah. But in Australia, the spot is just booming. Like it's it, over COVID. Um, it yeah. just went nuts. Well, look, it all becomes a lot easier if you're there running the business in person. Um, yep. But obviously, you're not going to be here throughout the year. So that's probably not an option, right? Yeah, I we, guess, may, we may. I mean, eventually. I guess um, um, it could be a possibility because we understand that you also like part. You're developing another side of your business, which is to kind of help foreign people to, uh, I guess, set Get up a business management. Company. Yeah, it's yeah. a different company, but yeah, yeah, we do yeah. that as well. Mm. Yeah, so um, so that could potentially be an idea because I guess you know. Everyone's not everyone's dream, but uh, a lot of the people that are like the outdoors, they just kind of want to spend as much time outdoors as possible. So yeah. if you can combine kind of like your some some income source with something that you love, then mm. you know uh, you you can spend more time doing the things that you like to. Do. So if it was a possibility in a couple of years' time, and obviously maybe the part of the idea of starting with a property investment is to try to get that wheel moving but we, uh, property not... investment per se if you just like long-term lease for example just collecting yeah. rent from a tenant on a monthly basis that's not going to qualify you for a business manager yeah. visa but if you're actually running an accommodation business that's generating yeah. um, you know the necessary amount of income every year then you could I mean, with a business plan in place you could you could apply for a business management visa yeah. using that um, but I mean, that's something that I'd put you in touch with an immigration lawyer um, to investigate further. But generally speaking, you would need to generate, um, assuming, do you have any kids, other dependents, no. elderly parents, no. just the two of you? The two yeah. of us. Yeah. So that's going to be 2.3 or 2.4 million yen from memory, um, taxable income per year. So yeah. 
per each of you. So a total of about 5 million yen in taxable income will enable you to continue to renew that business management visa. Whether that business will get there or how quickly it will get there, I, I just don't know to tell you yet. Yeah. Yeah. And is there like an initial investment that you need to, like a particular number that you need to invest to start that? Yeah, business? about 50,000 US or, uh, sorry, 5 million yen, I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So just buying the land for six, seven million yen would already qualify that. Okay. Awesome. So, so I guess that that would be kind of like an entry, an entry point to for the process. As yeah, know, I mean, have... obviously, if you've got a business that's been established and is already running in Japan for let's say a couple of years and already generating enough income, it becomes a lot easier to then apply. Obviously, the you know the owner of the business needs to be here to run that, and it's mm -hmm. already. Um, qualifying for immigration requirements, so that, that should be fine, yeah. Okay. We interrupt this broadcast to tell you about Tokyo Family Stays. They're a short-term rentals company in Tokyo, and they offer a home-away-from-home home experience, which is just perfect for remote working, quarantining, if that's still a thing, or if you just need somewhere quiet to get away from the world. They offer a variety of options for families, corporate relocations, or even if you're simply transitioning between homes in Tokyo. The properties are super comfortable, tastefully furnished, fully equipped with all amenities, and they accommodate up to 10 people. So really the only thing you'll need to bring with you is your toothbrush and maybe a change of clothes. They come with fast, unlimited wireless internet, dedicated workspaces, and fully equipped kitchens, and they're just a delight to stay in. Fantastic alternative to Japanese business hotels, which if you've ever stayed in one, you probably know. They're tiny, they're noisy, fine for a night or two if you're on your own, but longer term or with a family, you'll probably feel you're in a jail cell very quickly in a Japanese business hotel. So if you want to give yourself a sense of space and freedom by renting a real home, with comfortable Western beds, including all the necessities like baby bedding, children's toys, high chairs, etc. You definitely want to reach out to Tokyo Family Stays. They've been at it for over a decade. They're a fully licensed minpaku or short-term stay operator. And as a special bonus for our viewers and listeners, they're also throwing in a breakfast basket upon arrival for anyone who books and mentions the Japan Real Estate Podcast or NTI. And not only for guests, if you're a property owner, you've got an investment property that you want to tweak for higher profit, or a holiday home that you want to rent out when you're not using it via short-term stays, drop them a line today, see how they can help you maximize your property's income. And again, as a special bonus to our viewers and listeners, they're also offering a free audit of your existing short-term stay listings without any obligation whatsoever. So feel free to reach out to them at tokyofamilystays.com. Well worth a visit. And again, if you're in the market for a family home in or around the Tokyo metropolitan area, Emil's your man. Don't be shy to reach out to him as well at sales at realestate.jp. And now back to the podcast. Okay. Yeah. We, um, we were also thinking like another way that we could establish ourselves here is the real estate photography because that's what we, we do and that's what we're good at. Um, yeah. And we have noticed there's not a lot of good quality photos online. Not for the properties you're looking at for six, seven million yen, but if you're looking at properties that are, you know, 20, 30, 40 million yen, the photography becomes a lot better. Yeah, of Definitely, course. Yeah. 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 It's just, um, I guess, back in Australia, it's almost for every property that it's out there, no matter how good it is, you need good photos. I haven't, you know? I haven't lived in Australia for a while, but even 11 years ago, I haven't noticed too many $60,000, $70,000 properties in Australia. Yeah, 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 sure. No. Yeah, yeah. No. No, so no, no. the, the higher the price entry, obviously, I'm guessing you get you, you see the same thing from your customers. The more 
pricey the property, the more they're willing to spend on photography, right? Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think it's it's a good investment. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. But I mean, if you think about it, like Japan's the world's second most active property market, second biggest as well. Oh. And cheaper properties, the the six, seven, eight million yen properties that you're referring to, they really fly off the shelf in a matter of days or weeks from listing. So nobody really needs those photos, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. That's, a good point. That's the the other question I had is because you know we're looking let's say at this particular property which you know it might just be something that we gets us started to look at things right and w- when it, we start this process of researching do you run the risk that by the time you know if you want it or not it's gone already like is of there course. a way to- yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah yeah but what we can do is um we can submit offers with pending terms and conditions. So for example, we'd submit an offer and say that um, this is the price we're willing to pay. And this offer is pending um, local mm-hmm. municipality um, Minpaku requirements, for example, right? So then there's no, we'd, we'd get our foot in the door in the sense that we're the first offer in line. So if another offer comes in, even if it's without terms and conditions, they'll at least let us know and give us the chance to purchase first without waiting for the results, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Do Do you have any any other questions for us that you can think of? Um. No. I mean, a list of locations would be a good start. So I think if you give me a list of um, prefectures would be good, but also drill down into actual local municipalities, cities, or, or villages, or whatever the case may be. If you give me a list of those, um. We've just had another customer for whom we researched the exact same thing. So our basic um, hourly retainer bank is 10 hours. Yep. And within 10 hours, we did manage to find information on, I think, five or six different municipalities for him. So if you give me a list of those, I think that initial retainer bank of 10 hours, which is about uh, 400 Australia, 450 Australian dollars, that should probably cover you for at least five or six of these locations. And that's maybe a you know kind of place to start. Mm-hmm. Unless you're you know laser focused and have your heart set on that particular piece of land, in which case we'll just go with that one and see what, what we find. Yeah. No, well, we, I think... we haven't even been to the Niseko area anyway. Yeah. yeah. We just thought um like that might be a good spot just because of the snowfall. <laughs> Um, I mean, it's it's very popular with international travelers, so it's not a bad yeah. place to hit for sure. But I mean, so is Hakuba, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. What um, what about the glamping sort of business? Um, a bit oversaturated in Japan. A lot of those sites are standing empty. Um, it was a very big hit five six years ago, and now there's just too many people doing it. I think. Yeah. 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 And yeah. with real estate photography, I didn't mean to um to take the wind out of your sails or anything. There's definitely room for that business in Japan. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. In the but, places but that have come with nice photos, it's usually just the agent taking nice photos with a nice yeah. camera, but they're still not professional. Yeah. 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 No, we, we didn't talk about yeah, that. We, yeah. No, we, we just noticed that you know, there is a lot of, there's like some higher end properties that have good photos and then most of the other ones don't have any but, but yeah we understand also like cult, made, cult, cultural difference yeah. you know like people may some and people may not see the value in it yeah well, exactly. that, that's a, i think that's a basic human thing you see nice photos you're more attracted to the property i don't think the cultural i mean the fact that they're not doing it is maybe a cultural difference but i think the effect will be the same if you provide good right. photos you'll probably get better results right 
Yeah. I mean, definitely so. all yeah. of our customers who are foreigners, um, they always want much more photos than the market here tends to provide. So we go there and take photos for them, right? Yeah, cool. Oh, nice. Yeah. And you're not looking looking for any real estate photographers? <laughs> um, our properties that we deal in, to be honest with you, are usually either on the cheaper end of the scale um, or we do sell some higher end property, uh, more expensive properties, that, for example, small buildings and such, which could be, you know, half a million or six, seven hundred thousand bucks, but they're investment properties and they're tenanted. So the photography would be limited to the exterior. We can't actually do anything with the interior. Yep. Yeah. So we, we haven't had a, a huge demand for it now. Okay. <laughs> but um, definitely some of the luxury uh, property opera uh, brokers in, in Tokyo and Niseko, for that matter, uh, places where, you know, properties are half a million dollars and over, uh, I think there would definitely be room for that. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you just need to focus on on those ones. <laughs> yeah. Just like um, unless you're very cheap and you sort of convince the market to, to start doing it for cheaper properties as well. But if you're thinking about a. Um, broker who's going to be making their you know five percent on a seven million yen property if their entire commission for the sale is like a thousand or two thousand bucks how much can they afford to pay for yeah, exactly. yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah no we don't, we don't want we don't want to be the cheap ones yeah no. yeah <laughs> cool and um, well i think that's that's great thanks so much yeah. safe yeah yeah my pleasure so yeah, look into a few areas. Maybe definitely, I mean, go and visit that property and see what the agent tells you. Obviously, if you communicated with him, he's okay with dealing with foreigners in English or whatnot. I think he's like, uh, think he's, he's like British, British or Australian. Yeah. Oh, okay. What's his name? Alistair something. Yeah. Alistair? We, we can send you his info yeah, by email. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, wh why don't you ask him all of those questions that we've just mentioned? He definitely would have the answer if it's within a landslide area or not, he has to tell you. Yeah. If there's been a, a soil um, liquidity check or not, he'll probably say no, but he will need to tell you. And then maybe he also knows because it's around Niseko, maybe he also knows about the local Minpaco regulations, right? Yeah. yeah. It's I, a good start. And if, if he's an English speaker, which means you can do the entire purchase with him in English, then you probably don't need us for a full facilitation. You can just take us on, for example, let's say you do decide to move ahead with this property. You can just take us on a, another 10 hourly uh, retainer capacity. So the whole process would maybe be a thousand bucks or what, right? It'll be cheaper yeah. than us doing everything on your behalf. Oh. If he's a foreign I, agent, he's already used to working with foreigners. So even if you're overseas, you'll know how to get a JP certified document or whatnot. It's not going to be an issue for him, I think. Okay. Oh. Mm. We, um, we already asked him a few things. Yeah. And yeah. we said, you know, is there, are there any? Because back home you do have like what they call a section thirty-two, which is uh, like a full property booklet with all the yeah, like a lot of information about the property. So I asked him if there was such a thing here, and he said not really. But um, uh, there said, is. It's called the document of important matters, and right. they're obliged to provide it. It's the full property spec, any known caveats, any known issues. And it mm -hmm. will include zoning regulations to let you know if it's generally uh, residential, strictly residential or mixed residential or commercial, that kind of thing. But it's not going to include anything about short-term stays. For that, you'll need to check separately. Yeah. So I asked him if there was anything bad that we should know, you know, like flooding or I didn't ask for landslide, but, you know, yeah. flooding is like a very popular thing in Australia that could yeah. happen. So, so he said, no, 
that there were no known issues. And I did ask him, oh, giving an overview of what we kind of had in mind, like, mm. you know, a commercial. And he mm. said, it should be fit for a purpose. So, but, you know, at the okay, end of the day. Well, that, I mean, it's a start. <laughs> we'll need, we'll <laughs> confirm all of that. We'll confirm all of that in official documentation. So even if you end up doing it in front of him directly, then once you get the documents, you can give them to us for review and we'll, we'll let you know if we see anything suspicious or anything that's been maybe not clarified enough in there. Hmm. Um, yeah. But again, for running a business, running an accommodation business, you'll need to dig deeper. Yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Thanks so much. Sue. Yeah, yeah. My pleasure. Thanks for your time. Yeah. Thank, thanks for having us on your podcast. Yeah. That's, uh, Pretty we're, exciting. Yeah, we're, we're, Thank we're, you. <laughs> enjoy the rest yeah. of your stay for now. So there you have it. Nice little chat there on a topic that we don't discuss as often here on the podcast, mainly the purchasing of vacant land plots and their utilization. Hope you found some value in it. Now, before we go, we're also, as always, going to tell you and also link to our other sponsor's website. That's Hiroshi Shimizu, immigration lawyer and administrative scrivener. If you're thinking about moving here on a more permanent basis or you're already in Japan on some sort of a temporary visa and you want to switch to a longer term or permanent one, or if you're considering setting up a local company or a branch office of a foreign company and you've got any sort of business or visa-related inquiries, or even if you just want to find out what your options are on any of these topics, feel free to contact Hiroshi Shimizu. You can find him at japanimmigrationexperts.com. And he can help you set up a company, apply for any kind of visa, or just provide you with the best advice and extremely affordable consultation related to these topics. And he's already done that for many of our listeners. So feel free to reach out to him. Again, that's japanimmigrationexperts.com and you'll be well on your way. And that's it from us for today, folks. Hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Japan Real Estate Podcast. Do share it with your networks and please let us know what you think. So leave us a short rating or review on the iTunes store, on Spotify, or just drop us a line in the comment section of wherever you might have found this episode. We love hearing from you. Hope to have you with us again next time. And until then, have a great day or night ahead. Yoroshiku. Yoroshiku.